Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and we're, we're going, going round round Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, that felt good. Best it's been. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> Photo <it's been. laughs> finish toward the end of our little podcast journey. We are in the last five episodes of this here podcast, Allie. How do you feel about it? It's bittersweet. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's it's a weird time in the world. Uh, so why wouldn't it be a, a, a similarly like, oof, everything is changing vibe of the podcast? It's exciting though. We're going out with a bang. All right, we're breaking down barriers, okay? <laughs> we're, we're, you know, carving out new paths. We're, it's, it's all killer, no filler. And I want to introduce our guests, bring them into the room because uh, they are no exception to the all killer, no filler standard that we've set with our last five episodes of this podcast. And then this podcast goes away forever. Um, so we're going out with a bang. Please, everyone welcome writers, writers. Uh, Jeff will probably correct me, executive producer level person, songwriters, um, you name it, they've done it. They're a daughter and father team uh, on our podcast here today. It is Samantha Martin and Jeff Martin. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Lovely to be here, yeah. Isn't father-daughter usually the uh, the order that's, that's set? <laughs> not, not in this house. Not, not. All right. no. Are you kidding me? Ladies this first. Okay. Ladies, ladies first. 2021, <laughs> ladies first. Yes, this right. is a femme fortress, and you're lucky we let you in. <laughs> okay. And you can be removed at any time. So. We are seeing, yeah, we're, that's true. We're seeing a youth supplanting age. Uh, right <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I mean, let's just get the the big headline out of the way. You guys recently co-wrote a Simpsons episode together. We did. A really a really awesome episode. Um yeah, I, a musical episode. It's got everything you want and more. Yeah, Cletus and music. I'm already sold. It's such a good, fun episode with so much good music. I I love it. The the, the music episode of The Simpsons always like are the best. And to know that you guys did it together, even even if I didn't know that it was like you guys, it's just such a good episode. Well, thank you. Well, thanks. Yeah. I want to get into the details later, but I want to, you know, start in some sort of like linear timeline. We kind of um, with this new iteration of our podcast around Springfield, um, we kind of go deeper into origin stories, how you guys came to be so funny, how you guys came to be so creative. Um, and normally we don't have the parent of a creative in the room to kind of um, confirm or deny that being creative was encouraged or discouraged or, you know, a, a career in comedy was encouraged or discouraged not to go into family therapy territory but <laughs> um I'd love to know um both of you guys what your journey in becoming comedy writers were like what you guys were like as you know young kids what was that spark for you early on that spoke to you and said this is the path for you or maybe that spark didn't come for a while um and actually Jeff let's start with you Oh, oh, not ladies first. Uh, yeah, the rules can change at any moment. The rules can be on your toes. You think we're going to zig? Ladies, <laughs> we're going to zag, baby. All right, I'll, I'll try to keep my footing. I, I, I had, uh, in a lot of ways, just a real similar upbringing to a lot of other Simpsons writers. 
just in terms of when I was a kid, I watched a great deal of TV. Uh, my dad liked comedy. I, I grew up in Houston, you know, just a suburban kid. My dad had some comedy albums, Bob and Ray and Woody Allen. I would, I would really listen to those and just, just watch TV and study it, how, how the adult world worked. Just, okay, that's what you do in a nightclub. That's, that's what you do on a cruise, you know. And, and, and uh, for some reason, being funny was just uh, very important to me. I'm not, I'm not bragging about it. It's just how you're built. And I guess I was the top comedy writer in my high school, except nobody else was trying. <laughs> yeah, how did you know that that standard was yours? <laughs> I, <laughs> Look, if if if, uh, if being the best quarterback would have been available, I, I, I would I would have <laughs> gladly traded. You know, then uh, when when I got to college, uh, my freshman year, I got on the Harvard Lampoon, and as for so many of us, uh, it was just a, a real life changing thing because all of a sudden uh, I was surrounded by other people for whom nothing was more important than spinning out a, a comedic premise, just <laughs> trying to be funny, trying to make each other laugh. And, and when I got on the Lampoon, you know, I mean, like that day I met uh, Mike Reese, Al Jean, John Vitti. Soon enough, I, I met uh, George Meyer, oh, uh, Tom Gamble, Max Frost. And, uh, you know, it was just a very key event that uh, there were people who were funnier than I was. <laughs> you know that we're becoming friends and then uh like the letter you know saturday night live was on the letterman show came on uh while i was a senior in college and all of a sudden you could visualize a tv career wow and and uh gamble and pross uh guys who i'd been friends with like they were seniors when i was a freshman got hired there and all of a sudden it's like, okay, it comes into focus. Maybe I can do this. And uh, I got hired on Letterman uh, a year and a half out of college. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. That's lightning I, fast. Or was it lightning fast at the time? Uh, oh, well it, well, it seemed like a long time at the time. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> and yet uh, it's funny, getting hired at 22, uh, I... Did something I don't usually do recently. Uh, I saw Colin Jost on something talking about, he was on the Lampoon. Mm -hmm. And same thing, loved it. And he started working at 30 Rock on SNL, not Letterman, when he was 22. And I just thought, I think I'd get along with this guy. And I did something <laughs> I don't usually do, which which is got in touch with him. My wife and I were in New York a couple of weeks ago and, and just, hey, you want to meet for a meal? And uh, we did. Great guy. Scarlett did not that. join us, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time. Did you, did you find that uh, there were some commonalities that came from starting kind of at that time in these big shoes type of jobs, like both of you starting at 22? Did, did that kind of, I assume you had a bit of a thesis, even if it was subconscious, like, okay, we're going to have this type of thing in common. Uh, completely. I think I think all the, 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 peop, the guys I've named, I think we all, had a lot more in common. And uh, it was just just sitting around the lampoon for hours and hours. Also uh, criticizing stuff. I, I always, uh, <laughs> well, I, I compare us to comic book guy. Sure. Right, right, right. Just uh, a bunch of, bunch of guys sitting around, you know, have accomplished nothing in our lives, just freely watching TV shows and saying worst, <laughs> worst show ever. And this is funny. And that is not, and, and uh, totally obnoxious, but, but uh, you know, 
somehow at some subliminal level learning your craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do learn a lot when you pick things apart, but it also, it Mm -hmm. sounds like the par for the course um, experience for any kind of liberal artsy or creative college experience where it's like, you know, an echo chamber of like, I could do this better, which I think could go either one of two ways, like one where it's like, okay, well, then you just keep saying I can do this better and you never do it. Or you are part of the latter part of that, where it's you actually go and change television forever. (laughs) So kudos to you guys for making good on your snarky commentary, I guess. (laughs) Right. Well, aren't you nice? Well, I want to stop talking quick, but real quickly. So I I worked at Letterman for seven years and uh, I met my wife while scouting uh, a Letterman remote. And then uh, wow. we, we had, yeah, and then had had a, a kid and- uh, Well, if I can jump in when when my mom, <laughs> if, if, if you don't mind, uh, you know, you're doing great, Dad, but uh, if when-, when Some notes, my, yeah. <laughs> some notes, uh, we'll get to them later. But, but maybe stop talking for said. a little while. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just- get it. I get it. I'm, I'm just yes-anding him. Um, when he was talking about meeting my mom, it was pretty sweet because my mom- uh, her New Year's resolution before meeting my dad was to marry a guy like David Letterman. She said, I'm going to meet a guy like David Letterman. Then my dad showed up and she said to her friend, I'm going to marry him before they even oh. talk. Oh my God. Yeah. Those stories don't happen anymore. They just I think don't. It's a pre-internet story, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> you go, grass is always greener with swiping right. But then exactly. you know, before the no, internet, no, no. it was like, no, there's a star that's speaking to me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That's oh, I amazing. Love that. I was dead in the water, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> you but, have a uh, choice in this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So six uh, six great years at Letterman, uh, got an offer. We, we were out uh, for the Emmy Awards uh, out in LA and uh, a meeting was set up uh, with Sam Simon for the show that hadn't aired yet. That was for The Simpsons. And he offered me the job and it was just sort of like, eh, okay. So in between accepting the job and moving uh, my wife and our, our one-year-old daughter out to LA, the show aired and was an instant smash. So so I I started working on the, on the show like just weeks after after it premiered. Amazing. Oh, wow. So I, I really, uh, I pulled the Ringo there. i have like uh, a really happy memory was honestly uh i was going to get on a plane and samantha and my wife suzanne were going to follow uh uh two weeks later and we watched bart the general which was either the third or fourth one that ever aired and you're watching just thinking oh this is good oh this is a good episode you know (laughs) this is a perfect this is a perfect tv episode and and just a very very happy feeling that I was going to be joining something that had had the the wind behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's got to be comforting for your choice of Absolutely. And also joining uh guys I was already close friends with, uh John Beatty and Mike Reese and Al Jean and George Meyer. So uh yeah. Incredible. And uh so Samantha, I I really loved the thread that you posted in kind of anticipation or right after the the your guys's episode came out and um I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast have already read it, but could could you kind of walk us through some of those moments and highlights of kind of uh, before we get into your career specifically, some of your memories of of kind of growing into this family and your memories of the Simpsons early on? Gosh, well, I mean, I think that because my 
dad is my dad. And my mom is also, you know, a, she became a comedy writer, writer and eventually a showrunner. And because these are my parents, I think comedy was, you know, I, I was quick to speak and I was quick to speak funny things. And I think that for a while, and you can attest to this dad, I, for a while, I think I was your puppet. I think that you guys, you know, would, and you can name many examples, but they would just teach me, uh, what's a, what's a good one, dad? Well, uh, we, we would do like an, uh, oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad routine. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like pure vaudeville. Totally yes, vaudeville. 100%. Totally oh my where, you know, and all Samantha had to say was, oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad. Oh, that's good. And I would, I love it. So oh I got married, God. but she's an egg, but she's got money. Oh, that's good. You know, <laughs> or, or just corny things like what a little uh, Scottish children say. Yeah. Man. Man. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, uh, a, there's a scenario to this where, like, if it took a sharp right turn, it could be very paper moon in a bad way. But I'm glad that it, <laughs> it didn't. It did. Thankfully, it didn't. It, it, we'll, we'll get into the story, but it almost, it could have. There was a moment where I almost was like, it, you know, wanted to be in front of the camera as a kid. And my parents were very much like, nope, let's, let's uh, keep you at home till you're 18. And, and, uh, and hope that's the right decision. It but, seemed like um, it was. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Sammy, Sammy was, she was a very funny kid. I can attest that uh, when she was an eight-year-old playing soccer and at the, uh, I was an assistant coach and at the end of the year party where everyone gets an award, she won uh, funniest player. So. <laughs> Not best. If best. Again, if best were available, oh. I would have taken it. It's yeah, a that's, soccer that's player. wild that that's uh, even a category of an award in a sport. <laughs> this sounds like a very LA story. <laughs> yes. Well, but, but I, I, you know, all this is to say, I think that I understood the Simpsons as being funny, pretty young. You, I, it was never sort of, you know, frowned upon to watch the Simpsons as a lot of kids my age, I think their parents didn't let them watch. And for me, yeah. it was, you know, putting dinner on the table. So you <laughs> might as well enjoy it. You better um, watch. Yeah. You better watch. You're yeah. grounded if you don't. Now, Sammy's, you know, I'm remembering that Sammy actually uh, kind of indirectly worked her way into Simpsons episodes because I, I was the only writer in the writer's room uh, who had kids. John Vitti's mom uh, once once paid me a, a really nice compliment. Is she said uh, some of my episodes? She said you can tell Jeff Martin has kids. Oh, because mm. uh, for for episodes like uh, the flashback ones where Bart's, uh, uh, I think it might be Lisa's first word. I don't mm. I don't know. Here, Sammy used to do something. She was kind of a tough nut, and uh, <laughs> she, and she she where I'd you know you'd say okay, Samantha, you need to say you're sorry. And she'd say like Dari, you know, <laughs> Laurie, Laurie, you know. And then my parents would go, "We will also accept Dari. We will also accept Dari." <laughs> just, just testing the limits, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and so in that episode, when when uh, uh, Homer's saying to Bart, "Don't don't call me Homer, call me Daddy," and Bart goes, "Dad, Dad." Uh, Domer, <laughs> you know, and, and, and also uh, when uh, when Homer tells Bart, you know, do not flush my wallet down the toilet, and uh, Bart's response, do you understand? And Bart just pushes Homer's nose and says, "Beep." <laughs> <laughs> Taken from life. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> was it ever um, Sam like 
knowing that that is like these moments from your childhood are working their way into an episode of television, were you ever embarrassed about that? Or were you ever just like, oh, that's me and, you know, immortalized in this way? Definitely not the the cute moments that were just mentioned, but I think later in my <laughs> teenage years, when my dad, uh, my dad had a show that um, was a family sitcom and the 13 year old daughter, uh, when I was 13 years old was very much, uh, certain things were <laughs> ripped from real life that were less right. adorable, but funny, but funny, which is well, what matters. The, uh, thing in question was, uh, the dad asked the daughter, uh, to do something. Is she done something, some task? And she says, yeah, I, uh, I like to wait before I do stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, which and I used one. Well, the, this was said that once. I said that because I, well, I, because I, I think the exact moment was I was pouring myself cereal and I screwed the milk cap back on and I didn't put the milk away. And <laughs> I saw my dad looking at the milk like, you're going to put it away. And I, I guess I knew I was pushing your buttons a little. So I just kind of left it there. <laughs> and then and then you finally vocalized it and you were like, you're going to put the milk away. And I said, I, I don't know. I like to wait before I do things like that. And it was on it was on TV probably four months later. Right. It, it, I, love it. I hadn't told her it was on TV. And I will say it was gratifying because we were watching the episode together. And when oh, the man. daughter said that, like Samantha instantly had a reaction like her. <laughs> <laughs> face flushed red and she you know laughed and cringed and and <laughs> how dare you mine your own lived experience for oh, television no. <laughs> oh, no. there shouldn't be truth in comedy what are you doing <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, no uh, we're making sam seem more difficult than she was <laughs> <laughs> no i i dig it i was about to say sam you're you're a kid after my own heart i feel like we were very similar smart alecky kids and probably ally you too um, you just reminded me of a childhood story that gets retold about once a year where like when I was around, I think seven years old, I was um, being babysat by my aunt at her house and like searching her kitchen cabinets for snacks and candy. And I found a bag of gummy bears and my aunt told me like, you can't have those. We're about to have dinner. And I just said, but these are bottom shelf gummy bears. How do you even know that term? I just, (laughs) I was being very literal, but I love, I love those moments. And I think that, you know, um, those moments of being the smart alecky kid, like my mom always told me, like, if I wasn't a comedy writer, I would have been a really great lawyer because I was just so combative. And I think all those qualities, like, I don't know. They they lead down the right path eventually. <laughs> you, totally. you get proven right for being such a smart ass, I think. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a little rascal. It's yeah. um <laughs> as long as you grow out of it. And I would say I mostly have. <laughs> I, I think that it was just encouraged to kind of lean into lean into funniness. It was never ever, I mean, gosh, being funny was never discouraged in this family. It's it was well, you know. Samantha, yeah, Samantha was was uh, like picked by her high school to uh, uh, you know give the speech at graduation because they knew she'd be funny, and she's done a lot of uh, uh, sketch performing to to great uh, success. And and then our younger daughter went to Harvard, got on the lampoon, gave wow. the gave the funny wow. speech at the graduation. So I, I always just we would not know what to do with the. <laughs> 
a kid who wanted to do anything useful. An unfunny child. Yeah, accountant or... <laughs> they, would, they would always joke about, what if we were, um, what if we had to like go to swim meets? What if that was what, no, no disrespect to swimmers, but they, I remember them saying, what if we just, that was our life was just, okay, another swim meet. <laughs> My husband and I's fear, because we're both creative and I'm just like, I guess we'll figure it out. I guess know? we'll figure it out. <laughs> Which feels very self-involved to be like, it's our problem. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's all, it all works out. <laughs> right. But yeah. I, I feel like we didn't answer your question sort of about the, uh, my memories of The Simpsons. But I mean, you know, when I was that young, it didn't really, it didn't, like dad's I don't at think work? I, uh, yeah, dad's at work. Exactly. But, you know, when there would be, moments like you know when you came home with that Simpsons pinball machine and it's life seems normal life you know it's (laughs) it just felt like oh and there's there's the pinball machine with the Simpsons that you still have in my childhood bedroom well I'll tell you you only do you remember coming to the Simpsons office Sammy you probably don't I'm I'm pretty sure I don't I mean I can I've put my mind's eye has has created memories but I'm not sure that they're real well, here's the story. Well, first to set it up, as you know, the Simpsons writer's room was just, we spent, it was all male in those days, and we were in there 12 hours a day, never budging off our spots on the couch, you know, not for lunch, not for dinner. You know, we, we were just all getting very pale and out of shape and putting on weight and would do things like have unlit cigarettes in our mouth just for something, some oral stimulation. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Gum wasn't available. <laughs> no. It was pre-gum times was pre-gum. in the olden days. And yeah. <laughs> apparently everybody was Humphrey Bogart. Continue. Yep. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> a little drunk. Yeah. I, uh, so one, uh, my wife, Suzanne, had gotten in her head, oh, Sammy and I will come visit you one day. We'll come visit you at the office. And Sammy would have been probably two. And uh, they, so here they come and they, they show up wearing like matching mother-daughter sundresses. <laughs> and they entered the room. And I think everyone, certainly my wife, just realized right away, oh, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was just like a, a wall of stank walking just into a, this A ton of cigarettes cave. falling yeah. out of mouths. I, I, Would you I, ladies I, like a cigar? Uh. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, no, and my wife that evening said, I'm never going there again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably best. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it was actually, I'll tell you something. Uh, it was a tough job in those days insofar as uh, the hours were very long and and I was uh my uh other daughter was born in 1992 so I uh we'd usually be having lunch and dinner there and by the time I'd get home at 10 something the whole family was asleep and uh one funny thing is my my little niche on the show uh was writing songs it, it was something I could do that the, that the other writers couldn't do but uh one one time for the uh Lurley and Lumpkin episode. Uh, I had to, we were up against a tight schedule, so I had to record the the music and the guide vocal for that. And I was like up at three in the morning, just singing. You know, no one understands you, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) My wife, who'd gone to another bedroom, (laughs) yeah, came came in at three in the morning and said, "Oh, oh, honey, do you have to sing?" (laughs) (laughs) I thought, no. You know, and I kind of, you know, what, what, 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm just too happy. Yeah. <laughs> too full of joy to keep it bottled in. This is a hobby. This has nothing yeah. to do with this. This isn't works. <laughs> See, it all worked out. <laughs> oh, not so I just said, uh, but I, I told that story just to quickly tell this one is uh, for the latest episode, Yokel Hero. Samantha actually uh, wrote the music to those songs. It's so good. It's yeah, so good. I mean, Thank I would have been, thanks. I would have been happy to pitch in, but, but uh, it was one of these things where, you know, she just sort of said, Oh dad, I took a pass at <laughs> a tune and, and uh, you know, played it for me. And, and it was, it was like uh, the, the fable of the shoemaker and the elves. Of, <laughs> hey, I woke up and my work is done. This is this is great. So, amazing. So thanks, amazing. Amy. I, yeah, I, I got a full night's sleep. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I was uh, up at three a.m. with a baby, but that's when you. I guess apparently that's when you do your best. Uh, your best work. Yeah, your mind is raw. You're not oh, awake, yeah. so you're kind of in that half alive, you know, half asleep dream state. Oh yeah. Life is just a to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so interesting. You saying, uh, that you found your niche in, uh, the writer's room as being the person who could write songs because I, when I got my first TV writing job, I mean, I, I studied musical theater at NYU. I, you know, I'm my father's daughter. It's, it's in me somewhere, but I hadn't really considered it until I, about three years into being in the writer's room and I was like, I mean, I wonder, I mean, my dad did that. I wonder if I can just sort of see if I can pitch myself writing a few songs for the show. And I ended up pitching a musical episode and it was, and you know, that was an hour long musical. And I thought so often about my dad writing streetcar and just thinking that it was, you know, it's possible. You can just, you know, if it's good, <laughs> you, you, it'll, it can be on television. But, um, you know, street streetcar though, is one of those things that I sort of can't believe that you did that dad. It's just so, it's I so think good. about it constantly. I watch it just if when in doubt, when I don't, when I kind of want something that I'm very familiar with as background noise, that's I, streetcar is, is a go-to. Well, thank you. Especially because, well, I mean, back to the connection to the Simpsons, several songs were written in that, you know, with me close by. I'm sure. Well, Apu's I will, song, especially, the, right? The I, I will say I, I wrote the Apu song. Uh, it was uh, driving Samantha to Disneyland. <laughs> oh my God! Really? It was a charmed. It was a charmed childhood. We can't shy <laughs> away from it. I had a pinball machine in my room. I mean, it's just a Southern California childhood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we had an annual pass. Uh, I, I I didn't see the kids much during the week, so uh, you know, right. on the weekend. Let's go to Disneyland the way you'd go to a playground. Which of course. Was, <laughs> which, which really is. That's how we did it too growing same, up. Same with us. We're all LA, close yeah. with our dad. This is similar oh, there to you us go. as well. Okay. No kidding. <laughs> it was just like you'd go on to, you'd check out Country Bear Jamboree and then go home. Like yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. My one. mom worked at Disney, so it was the cheapest thing we could do. Yeah. But this isn't a Disney <laughs> podcast, but I just had to say. <laughs> it's a charm childhood. It's a charm childhood. Charm childhood, Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I remember seeing 55 years ago, I saw Art Linklater's house party and there was kids who lived a few blocks from Disneyland. Wow. And like my stomach hurt envying those kids. Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's their backyard. Thousands of miles away, you know, so, so very, very happy to uh, 
<laughs> well, the tune came to you when you were driving to Disneyland for Apu song, you were saying? Well, I, I so I, I uh, usually we would all go, but I had Sammy for the day. And so she's just in her car seat and I had a little hundred dollar, you know, Casio keyboard that, you know, I, on the seat next to it. And I was just uh, fiddling around with chords and uh, hmm, a minor to B flat, a, you know, and uh, I actually did write the tune on the, wow. on the long drive. To wow. The and, in bumper uh, to bumper traffic, I'm hoping, uh, because you otherwise know. <laughs> this would take You would have taken turn. it. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty funny. Did, uh, did a lot of your songs come uh, in unconventional places? I also uh, am a kind of singer-songwriter of comedy music, and I have also kind of found myself like, once you have the melody at least plucked out on whatever your instrument is, that like the lyrics will sometimes come in, in kind of funnier places of the park or the shower or while you're listening to someone else talk, and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of mine are like, uh, honestly, musicals we did at my high school, uh, you know, I can, I'll just take some little snatch of a tune from that. And, yeah, and New Orleans. New Orleans is, um, a song fate. from Kismet. A song fate. from Kismet. Yeah. Wow. Inspired yeah, yeah. That. Great artist. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah. The song like, uh, Marge's I'm a Faded Southern Dame Without a Dime. The chord progression was, uh, some song from Kiss Me Kate, which we did in our oh, high school. right. Why like, Can't why, You Behave? Why yeah, that's Can't right. You Behave? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I don't think I knew that until just now. And and so when people, you know, I, I got I got some nice compliments uh, like from the the Simpsons cast when we did that, and they'd say like, "Oh, you should actually write a musical." And it's like, a these songs are pretty derivative. B they're about twenty seconds long. Right. <laughs> you know. So Samantha, in in writing the Henry Danger musical, that was the show. She she wrote the hour, hour long musical. Uh, I think showed a more composing range than than I did, but that's uh, awesome. It's well, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just think it's so cool that it it, it is the type of thing where, um, you know, as a viewer of these shows, if you don't know kind of what you know how how the sausage gets made, you just kind of think, well, yeah, this show has music, but then you kind of have to realize like it wouldn't have music if it weren't for the people that are in this podcast right now. I mean, there would be some music, of course, in the Simpsons, but it's amazing that like what you could bring to a show then kind of sets the bar of like, this is what the show is. And it's even hard to imagine without these types of things. Right. And it's just so cool. It's ambitious. It's definitely ambitious to take a show that didn't have music and then throw music at it. Yeah. I, I mean, especially with live action, it was with, you know, kids, <laughs> it was, right. uh, it was challenging, but we, we made it work. But dad, did you find that when you were writing songs for the Simpsons, did it like make the process like more joyful for you? Because for me, it's like the songwriting aspect of, of TV writing, just it's, it's all good for me. It's all fun. It, there's very, it's less struggle than than sometimes the slog of getting through an outline or or what have you. Well, well, two things. As I say, uh, when it, when I uh, first went to The Simpsons, I'd, I'd written for Letterman forever, but but uh, you know, there's no storytelling there. There's no heart. So th- th- that aspects of doing the job on The Simpsons, with you know, especially with like Jim Brooks, maybe TV's greatest writer, a candidate. You know, you're just you're just very insecure. Uh, you know, and hoping to fit in. And so the first uh, really good thing I did was was write the uh, Capital City song where I, I, I just said to Sam Simon, hey, let me let me try to my hand at this. And I went off and I wrote the words and music and, and I did and brought it back in. 
and Sam, God bless him, uh, told me uh, what he said was grand slam home run. Wow. And and uh, I, you just feel yourself relax a little. Yeah. You know, yeah. you become become a, a little less insecure, you know, and, and yeah. more like you can finish. So I always had that very good association with songwriting. And but another great thing about songs on The Simpsons is they wouldn't be changed. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. Right. Except generally when you bring a song in. Uh, that, yes. That stays the same, right? Right to air. So. Right, right. Because how do you note it? And like, I feel like the other writers that don't do songwriting in any form probably look to it as like a close-up magic trick where they're like, I don't <laughs> know how to even infiltrate this. <laughs> right. You don't need to submit an outline of the chords you're going to be using for a review. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're actually going to take a quick break uh, and uh, then we'll we'll take it home. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me and that is so real bullseye interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know from maximumfun.org and npr and we're back what a great, what a great break. break what an excellent break <laughs> um before we leave the topic of songwriting on the simpsons i'd be remiss in not mentioning um and i may have mentioned this last time jeff but i just want to say on the topic of streetcar and all the other music that you've done um and i know you mentioned like everyone's saying you should write a musical and obviously it's going to be a different animal but i think for me at least and and i've talk to other musical theater, theatery people, there is something that is very clear about the songwriting on The Simpsons, particularly with Streetcar, which is, I know, a favorite of other theater kids, just like me, where there is this, like, knowledge of how that kind of song format is, and it just feels like it's it's really coming from a place of appreciation of that form, and I think that that's what a lot of nerds like me respond to with it. Um, my favorite non-musical Simpsons musical is the kicking it Betty Ford musical, which I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm checking I'm, out. I'm, yeah, I'm checking in. Yeah, I've come like literally this close to staging it myself because I just love it so much. Um, but I just wanted to uh, commend Boy. you for all of that. And, and you know, another thing that makes I like think those Kim songs Kilo wrote so that special. One, but, but, uh, oh, really? Yeah, I you think can my take favorite. credit here. He's not here. 
I, I will not. I refuse. I'm, I'm that honorable. Uh, but I think my favorite's Planet of the Apes. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, one, one of the amazing. best jokes, regardless of music or speaking, is uh, uh, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. It's oh, yeah. very, very. Uh-huh. And can I play the piano anymore? I mean, it's of course just, you can. Well, like, well, I couldn't before. Oh, truly <laughs> excellent. What's wrong really with me, good. Doc? Crazy. <laughs> you're also lazy i guess we could do the whole thing i guess we probably do the whole thing between the four of us well well yeah well i did i did uh i did musicals and stuff in uh in high school loved them loved them loved them you know so yeah it did so it seeps into you and and yeah the affection comes through but that's that's uh how i came back to the simpsons you know after like a 20-year break uh they they did the uh well, actually, I wrote a few songs uh, in the interim, like uh, what the uh, Hitch the Team Up, Jebediah Springfield. A couple mm. of times, a couple of times, they just they needed a song, and uh, hey, can you write a tune? Here's some lyrics. Can you write a tune? And uh, I did that a couple of times. Uh, I w- Dad, I was with you when you submitted that song to Sam Simon. Okay. It was uh, yeah, we went to we went to Sam's house. And you, I mentioned this on the Twitter thread, right. but we went to Sam's house and you played it for Sam. And while you were doing that, Sam, just the nicest guy ever. He was just like, you want to go ride some skateboards? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? <laughs> and so I was like, skateboarding sounds fun. Yeah. So I skateboarded around his garage for, you know, a couple hours. Amazing. <laughs> it was really fun. It. Oh man. A, a new That's meaning so of baby on board. Right. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that Julia and I were both really excited uh, reading your thread about how Baby on Board at least was partially in some way influenced by you, Samantha. Just uh, is is that, uh, can we talk a little bit about that songwriting process or what that was like as diehard Beatle fans, like that was such a great episode and it's very fun and it, it's just such a great a great song and it's really cool to even it, think It is that, such a great song. Yeah. And it's just amazing. You know, I mean, that, that act, I know the episode was like a Beatles parody. That song, actually, uh, we'd go to Disneyland and, and uh, the Dapper Dan's, you know. Right. My I friend's mean, dad was uh, one of the, uh, like, upright bassists of that uh, group mm-hmm. for a little while, which was always really fun. No, I, oh, that's so cool. We'd, we'd go all the time. And, and of course, the Dapper Dan's uh, actually, uh, you know, did the harmony singing. Yes. With, you know, you know that I'm sure uh, with, mm-hmm. with with our guys filling in, uh, so cool. you know, so you recognize their voices and uh, actually a very nice thing. Uh, one of one of the guys, I think his name is Jim, uh, one of the Dapper Dan's. Uh, I, I went up only like a year ago and said, uh, hey, uh, do, do people ever. Uh, uh, well, I've asked them before if people ever request baby on board and they said every day. Oh, really? I never yeah. even thought to to do that. That's such a good yeah. idea. And they well, finally can now that they, Disney owns they do Fox. I, yes. I, 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 think, I think they can do it now. Happy Jack times are here again. Well, okay. Oh, uh, God. Thank God. We needed to win. Right. But but I asked, I, I went up and uh, asked the guy, and the guy said, Jeff. And I was like, what? One of the Dapper Dance is still there. You oh, know. that's so, amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Very, isn't that nice? Very nice guy. So, uh that that song was actually trying to recreate a barbershop tune, but the, of course, a yeah. great thing about songs lasting is is uh, the Simpsons was a very demanding job to do back thirty years ago. But but uh, it's just fantastic that there's you know uh, YouTube videos out there of people singing "Baby on Board" or or you know recreating the monorail song or "Flaming mm-hmm. Moes" or 
sending our love down the well or you know <laughs> sending our love down the well fucking slaps it's so good <laughs> all the way down I, it's like all the way down i think my favorite part is just crusty just like being oh, yeah. the background <laughs> like adding vocals it's so good well a fun thing was uh, john Beatty and i actually flew to new york to record sting and uh that's exciting you know, yeah you bet and he came you know nice guy great looking guy came in all by himself no entourage and and uh we're just, uh, you know, I'm playing the song to him and, and uh, you know, actually singing uh, the, the harmony and stuff that I want Sting to, <laughs> to sing. And, uh, and, of, and we already had a record with, with uh, uh, and it's hilarious to me that you've got Sting, but during the, the pauses in the music, and then I love down the well, it's crusty. Yeah, all the way down. Let's not forget. Yeah, and yeah. And, uh, and and actually, you know, when we were when I was recording it, I said to Sting, "Now, uh, if if you if anything comes to mind, you want to sing out during the pauses, go ahead." And uh, Sting says, uh, "It sounds like Krusty has it covered." <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's excellent. I love that. Sam, I'd love to um, ask you uh, or circle back to something that you said earlier um, in that moment where you thought, oh, I, my dad is a songwriter, but I surely, you know, should, could I do this? Were there any other moments of, you know, hesitation or questioning of yourself of exactly what kind of writer you would be given that your parents are your parents? Like, did you always feel like I'm going to follow in their footsteps in some way? Or did you have a moment growing up where you were like, I'm going to, you know, forge my own path and do X, Y, and Z? Gosh, you know, I was so much more of a performer in, in high school. That was, that was what I did. And in college, that's what I did. I, 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 it never really occurred to me to be a TV writer, that I would be a TV writer. That seemed like I had different skills than my parents. And, you know, I, I was just full speed ahead on being a performer. And, you know, I did it, I did it a fair amount, but when I, when I moved out to LA, my manager sort of just, you know, she suggested I write a spec script and I thought, Oh, wouldn't that be funny if like, you know, <laughs> something happened with that. And I, I mean, it's the weirdest pathway into TV writing, but just on my first staffing interview, I got the job just off that, Wow. Spec. It was, it was lucky. It was, it was a lucky situation. I can't pretend that, you know, it was on, on Henry Danger, this Nickelodeon show that we've mentioned a couple of times, but, um, and I, I thought it would be very temporary. I thought I would get back into performing maybe after a season, <clears throat> I'd say within about a week, I was like, Oh, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. This is, oh. and I, you know, when people ask if I miss performing, it's like, you guys know this, you're constantly performing. Yes. That's all you do in a writer's room. That's it's, it's, you are embodying the characters and pitching words for them to say, you're, totally. you know, and it's, it's, and I think it's, it makes all the sense that I ended up doing this, but no, I, I did not occur to me that this would be my career until week one of me doing it. Well, yeah. Samantha, I should say, I mean, her, her uh, performing dreams were extremely valid because she, she's, extremely funny and uh she she's a really really good singer and uh, you know took it in college and all that and, <laughs> and uh but uh you've heard of the uh, edinburgh fringe festival oh, oh yeah yeah Thank so you. 
Well, Sammy, tell them what the show was, and then I'll... uh... Well, I did an improvised musical uh, show there for two summers. The first summer, we gained some traction, and by the second summer, we were sold out before we got there. Just because improvising a musical, I think, was just... It it was very novel, Uh, you know, when I was... I think I was 17... I was 18, and I... At the time, it it was novel, but it was very... I mean, it was impressive. And, and it, it obviously it was people who, like us, loved musicals and just knew how to slide right into the tropes. Yes. Right. Of them. <laughs> and and, and you're in Europe, so but, it's a different vibe, you know. But, you're in Europe, so it's, yeah. They'll... <laughs> but here's the funny thing is uh, when Sammy was heading off to do it, you know, I told her, okay, you know, there's hundreds of shows at this festival, I'm told. And, uh, you know, there's some nights where probably no one will be in the audience or only a couple of people, but you, you have to, uh, you know, still give it your best shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, nope, nope. It, it was sold out fast. Incredible. <laughs> and and I, I got out there uh, one of the summers and, you know, be walking around Edinburgh and people would stop her and say, you know, oh, I used with Scottish accent saying, oh, are you <laughs> Sam from One Night Stand? Oh, oh you're brilliant. Oh. So that's so cool. Skip. It was exactly the level of fame that you want. Yeah. Just in one month, you're <laughs> recognized occasionally for something that by you Scottish, you know, twenty uh, something by Scottish people, <laughs> by people with fun accents. Yes. It's just sort of like that's exactly glad that it topped out at that. But I mean, I feel lucky because you know my dad's very nice to say I'm a good singer. I'm not a great singer, and so I think that it was after musical theater school. It's kind of like I don't know. I remember getting typed out of my first audition out of college. And I was like, oh, good. I have a free day. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think that's how you should be. Right. That's that. very telling. <laughs> so I had to, I, I feel lucky that I ended up against, you know, without thinking that it would be my career. I, I, I ended up in, in the writer's room. I love that. Like, you know. But talking about how you're always performing uh, in the room reminded me of, you know, mm-hmm. Conan, who was, of course, in the Simpsons writer's room, uh, we overlap. Conan who? <laughs> the barbarian. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Something Irish. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, well, we, we've been quite good friends. He got in Lampoon when he was 18 and I was 20. So we, we've been quite good friends forever uh, and overlap for one full season uh, on the Simpsons. And, oh, he was, and uh, I've, I've always said, uh, if you were to go back in time and have like a time-lapse photography of uh, the Simpsons writer's room, most of us would never budge <laughs> from our yeah. spots on the couch, except there was one, there would be one person jumping around, <laughs> <laughs> being funny and performing. And it was Conan just, just you know, trying to make With us, that itchy and, energy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I told him that and he would like try to be self-deprecating, like, oh, I must have been annoying. And it's like, I, I'm not even going to joke about this. Yeah. This <laughs> I appreciated it so much <laughs> yeah. that you were making the day shorter and you know keeping us mm-hmm. abused it, that's great <laughs> you know, it was it was the breath of fresh air that samantha and uh, her mom could not uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not bring to that room yeah. um sam do you feel like being a performer has informed your writing especially like in character voice and dialogue in a way because you always hear um you know writers get the advice of like take improv if you feel like you're stuck in any way so do you do you rely on those skills a lot when you write i mean i i don't know if if i actively rely on them but i think that i i have an i it comes naturally how a, a line should be 
could be read, I think because of my acting background and, and improv, but we also in, we group write every script. Um, and I think that improv is, you know, so key to that because you can be spontaneous. You have to be spontaneously funny when you're group writing mm -hmm. and it's, it, you know, I, don't know how funny I, I am on the paper, but it's like, you know, because we group write, it, 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 it works out. Right. Right. And the, you know, philosophy of yes. And is, is very helpful in that situation too, because yeah, you don't want to be, or, or really no one in the room uh, needs to be, or should be the person that's shutting down an idea. It's all about that sort of forward momentum with that absolutely oh, oh okay well then uh, <laughs> fuck you the podcast is over Let me, yes and did not exist right when i was, right. <laughs> when I was oh, a young comedy writer and i remember <laughs> sam simon saying things like boy there should be an award for worst pitch ever ah, no! <laughs> i guess i guess that's this new generation of uh, participation trophies that we're living through in tv writers room. you know <laughs> sam and i uh, collaborated on a, a song uh, that came out just this week on mike reese's podcast oh how fun well mike mike a couple months ago said hey i need a, a jingle for uh my fake mail, you know, Mike's a podcast is called, what am I doing here? And, yes. he, and he said, uh, Hey, I need a jingle for, uh, uh Mike's fake mailbag. <laughs> I love it. And so, uh, I wrote the tune and Sam uh, sung it. It's, it's, I think it was Mike's fake mailbag. We don't even have a jingle. You know, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Once every maybe six months, my dad will say, Hey, uh, what kind of whiskey do you like? Can you come sing a Lisa demo? <laughs> and well, that's weird. I get those texts from my dad too, but I don't know if we're yeah, talking but, about the same huh. thing. <laughs> yeah, no. What, well, in in terms of uh, occasionally they needed a tune, I uh, like uh, Lisa's song from Sid Martha, where she's singing "I Want Less," mm -hmm. uh, and I I did write the tune for that, and uh, I was quite happy with that one. Uh, that it, I thought that yeah pretty good uh, don't rain on my parade type of song yeah absolutely but, but but it was good but sammy sammy was my uh she's my uh, secret weapon with those because I, <laughs> I can bring her in to do the the guide vocal Excellent. well it's nice also because i can say oh this tune this key is is a little tricky you know right. it's nice that you have a, a, a girl's voice in there to let you know that what you've written is impossible. <laughs> <For a parent>. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, yes. Well, I, uh, I, what, what got me back in was uh, when the Simpsons did uh, Simpsons take over the bowl, the Hollywood bowl yeah. show. Uh, Jim Brooks uh, saw me at that. Uh, I was at that. And Jim Brooks said, Hey, we should bring Jeff Martin back to, to write a, a show with lots of music in it. Let's see. Came back and did uh, how Lisa got her Marge back, mm -hmm. which was uh how, well, we, we'd, we'd gone to Broadway. We'd taken family vacations and seen Broadway shows. And you'd see something like uh, Legally Blonde. Where yeah. This is, right. this, this is a movie from 15 years ago. They stuck some songs on. Right. And, uh, you know, it's good and all, but it's, it's $500 for the whole family good, <laughs> you know. So, so I was, uh, you know, I, I did that and, uh, yeah, yeah, showed like musicals. Uh, Capital City based on G.I. Jane and uh, Men in Black and Paul yeah. Walcott, right? And, oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing is between that and uh, between writing it and it going on the air, Hamilton hit Broadway, something yes. which totally reinvigorated the genre. My satiric point 
<laughs> kind of maybe landed with a thud, but uh, <laughs> but then I later I got a chance to uh, write uh, that uh, I'm just a girl who can't say dough, mm-hmm. where Marge uh, performs in a Hamilton type musical about Jebediah Springfield, and uh, when Al asked me to do that, uh, I said, "Can I write it with my daughter Jenna?" and uh, and uh, he said, "Sure." So so she she was the first uh, two generation co-writer Aww, that's so cool yeah and then but then when and she rubs it in my face <laughs> i was gonna ask i mean well, i know what it's like to have a sister jeff well, like, who's, your, who's your favorite you were the daughter? second but the, well, well Dad, did you hear the question well, very important yeah. question on the table favorite daughter um, favorite daughter well 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 sammy was the second sammy was the second to write uh co-write a simpsons episode and that okay. says it all and that's with a writer all. and uh <laughs> That's pretty, you know, that's not first, is it? Uh, <laughs> that's not first. Firstborn, but that doesn't, who cares about that? And I, I'll, I'll tell you something, and it's, it's, it's writing with your kids. Uh, it is funny because they're, they're uh, maybe just a, a little more attuned to the current scene. Because uh, when I was writing with Jenna, she, you know, at one point, we were doing some bit that I don't believe ever made the show. I was thinking of, uh, okay, what if... Uh, Reverend Lovejoy, there's some hint he's having an affair or something. And I'm kind of pitching in the uh, lipstick on the collar uh, area. <laughs> and Jenna very dryly says, how about she finds a text on his phone? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fred and, uh, Flintstone wants yeah, to pick up a... I know, That's I great. Know. Maybe, maybe that was funny for the USO show. <laughs> right. <laughs> To kind of um, uh, where we we where we would like to end the show is is hearing a little bit about the process that you guys had writing together because it's something that is so yeah it, you you could imagine it going a lot of ways I think Julie and I were kind of thinking to ourselves like what would it be like if we wrote or worked on something like with with our parents and Julia I think you were saying that it would be kind of like either like a like a science project or like a little bit like therapy yeah. it could be any number of things and or so, like um when my mom tried to teach me how to drive stick and uh, it ended <laughs> in a lot of tears and yelling and I still don't know how to drive yeah. stick so you know on the on a grade of zero to stick but it's clear that you guys <laughs> it's clear that you guys have a great connection and and there's an easygoingness that seems very real and genuine it certainly doesn't seem like you guys are faking it for our sake <laughs> you guys clearly and have if a you nice are bond. I mean commend you for the performance <laughs> well we are both actors um no I, I think easygoing I would say it was a well dad I think I brought it up to you you came and visited me for lunch at work in like 2018 and I was like do you would you ever think of do you want to do another Simpsons and I was working so it was like I didn't it would be a fun thing if we could do it. And we sort of bounced around an idea and we pitched it to Al Jean. And I think he was like, we we can't do that specific episode uh, right now for whatever reason, but, you know, we'll let you know if there's another musical episode that, you know, if there's room for a musical episode at some point, I'd say a year, that might've been 2017. And, and I'd say a year later, uh, Al emailed my dad and said, hey, w- there's an idea going around for a Cletus musical episode. Um, would you, I remember you and Sam reaching out about that. Would you want to try that? Of course. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So we, (laughs) we, yes, please. So we, um, at the time my wife was pregnant and so there was a lot going 
on, but, um, it was, I wanted to, you know, cook up something too. So I, you came, you came over, we, we put a story together. It sort of, it was, it was a very easygoing process. Wasn't it dad? It was just sort of like, well, actually it was, uh, my granddaughter was born by then, by the time we wrote it, by the time we were writing the script, by the time final draft was open, I had a two week I think the outline got the green light while I was at Cedars. Um, oh. I should also say that your wife Mo is a oh. fucking hilarious stand-up who I'm oh, a yeah. huge fan of. And well, we disagree awesome. there, but um, <laughs> no. I understand. Mo and Jenna yeah. are both great. <laughs> okay. Remember You're in Switzerland who this is about. I, I understand. Okay. Uh no, I uh no, Mo's Mo's the greatest and and um was, you know, it was it was just crazy that it was all happening while, you know, I was having a kid. Life but happens all we do at the same a, time, all of the time. Yeah, it, it does. It does. But um, yeah, we two week old Cleo was in asleep in her little play thing while while we hit end of episode. We, we mm-hmm. honestly wrote it with Cleo near, you know, right there. right there. And, you know, so young that she was a lump. <laughs> and, and, they don't do anything right. so right. it's the easiest time to finish a script it's and, way harder now and, yeah uh, that's I what was, i hear i was happy yeah. i was honestly i was happy as a clam to have uh, an excuse to come over and, and hang out and uh and if i'll tell you another thing though is uh writing for the being on staff on the simpsons was a very demanding job doing right this is a dream job being on this side of it because uh, you know you you just you write the episode and you turn it in and uh, the staff takes it from there, which is easier all around because having your stuff rewritten with you in the room, <laughs> uh, it's fine. You 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 develop calluses. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it still stings. It is still death by a thousand cuts. But you know, uh, <laughs> the cuts maybe. But the, the song enough. stayed the same. Yeah. <laughs> the songs right. basically stayed the same. Yeah. Last half full. Love it. yep (laughs) but it was it was so fun my dad was my dad um was at the keys uh became clear that he he you you were in uh you're a driver it's it's nice so I got to just kind of like sit back and keep fetching us drinks and snacks and pitch funny things when they came (laughs) but it was it was it was fun it was super it was super easygoing and fun it was fun and uh we turned it in and Al Jean uh liked the script a lot and said uh you know, he laughed out loud when uh, the the uh, the guy walks in on the Ellen DeGeneres character dancing <laughs> in a row. Yes, I thought I'd find you dancing, and Ellen. I says, laughed hard at that line too. Ellen says, uh, "Yes, I'm exactly as I seem." Exactly. <laughs> and, and and I had the pleasure of telling Al that Sammy's joke all the oh. way. <laughs> yes, yeah. and it did make it into the final final cut and was timely <laughs> yes it really was <laughs> i worked briefly at the ellen show so that's a separate conversation but i just want to tease it here <laughs> okay you guys got it 100 percent right <laughs> that's the next podcast yeah that's the next one after hours <laughs> yes but yeah no it was just it was great and i'm so glad that mo took that picture of us uh writing on the couch with cleo there yeah, and Iconic. I love the full circle-ness of it, of that you were the baby at the early stage of The Simpsons, and yeah. now here you are with your own kid. It's such a sweet, just a really sweet, cool thing. It, yeah, no, I was talking about it the morning um, of this that uh, Yokel Hero aired. I was I was talking to Mo, and I was just 
saying to her that it hit me like it's really weird uh, this is an unusual situation that a show runs this long and I had associations with it as a baby and associate and now I have this association and she was like why are you talking to me about this go on twitter <laughs> go, <laughs> go let other people know this the millennial cry why are you telling me this Read it. why are you wasting your time telling your soulmate about this when, when anonymous strangers are <laughs> well you guys this was so awesome it was really great to chat about kind of you know your guys's connection and the show and it it really is it means a lot to us so thanks for coming on well us too this was very nice it's always nice to see i saw you yesterday dad but it was uh <laughs> it, it, you know still not on zoom so this is yeah exactly <laughs> Um, right. and, and so, um, the episode is Yokel Hero that everyone can access on Hulu or the Hulu. other streaming platform of your choice, which I think Albert is Brooks is only... in it. That's so cool. I, know, I was we, so we excited. Didn't even mention that. <laughs> I wrote, I was watching excited. it and taking notes and I just wrote Albert Brooks. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a whole other podcast too, or admiration, uh, adoration of Albert Brooks and Absolutely. his presence on the Simpsons, all of it. Um, but besides uh, watching the episode, uh, what would you like to plug um, for listeners to run to or check out um, social media, what have you? I'd, I'd like to plug Mike Reese's podcast. It's just great. Yeah. And I'd also that, like to. No, you can't. I, I'd, like, <laughs> Ooh, sorry. I'd like to at least I'd like to at least apologize for not being Mike Reese because uh, <laughs> he, he, he's got his he is so honed now uh, to where. Any question you ask him about The Simpsons, he's got a perfect little anecdote with a setup and a punchline, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to top. Uh, yeah, I mean, but is it a good trait or is it a sickness? We don't know. We're, we're going to talk about that on our after hour show. <laughs> you know what? I'll double down. I'll double down with Mike Reese because I think that Mike Reese has gone to every musical and every show I think that I've ever done since I was. Uh, Oh, Since I was like sweet. nine. So I got to, wow. you know, I'll throw it to Mike. I don't have anything yeah. else to plug. <laughs> quick, quick, Sam, quick musical theater question, though. What is your favorite role in a musical that you've uh, ever done? Oh, boy. Probably company, company, right? company, Yeah, it, I was in, in company my senior year. I was Amy and uh, not getting married today. Once you've learned that song, you just oh, kind boy. of uh, mm. it's, it's if anyone knows, it's a very intense patter song. Um, it never leaves you. But that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my fave. Sondheim never does. Yeah. Big showstopper. <laughs> yeah. Big if you if you can get the words it. out, you'll get an applause. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Well, thanks so much, you guys. So uh, everybody, make sure to go follow Mike Reese on Twitter. <laughs> Mike Reese, <laughs> right? Uh, and hey, Julia, where can people find you? Uh, thanks so much for asking. I'm actually impressed out on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thanks so much for asking. You can follow me at Allie Gertz, and you can follow us at Simpsons Pod. And Round Springfield is a production of Maximum Fun. We are a member-supported show, so go to MaximumFun.org slash join to contribute. Our booking manager is Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.